0: Brian Karam. Hi, and welcome back to Just Ask the Question. I am your host, Brian Karam, and with me today is one of our favorite guests, Michael Zeldin, a former federal prosecutor. He did his time in the federal system <laughs> an analyst for CNN, and he has his own podcast, Michael, I'm going to let you introduce that podcast. Uh, What's the name of it? When do you do it?
1: So it's a new podcast on Spotify and Apple and all the typical platforms, and it's called That Said with Michael Zeldin. We've only had three episodes so far, but we will talk about sort of news of the day sometimes, but a lot of it will be based around people who have written books that are contemporary, like when your book brian comes out we'll interview you of your book we've done people like jim acosta and brian stelter and others who've written you know relevant books um, today and i'm excited about it
0: ah, okay. check it out yeah check it out and uh that said we'll be right back with michael Zeldon on just ask the question stick around Hi, we're back. It's Just Asked the Question. I am your host, Brian Kerman. With us today is former federal prosecutor, Michael Zeldin. And uh, we're going to talk today about the wonderful, you know, (laughs) you and I have had several conversations about impeachment, uh, Michael, and now we're into our second impeachment. And Donald Trump is coming up on his second defense, on his second impeachment. And, uh, well, let's see. Let's start just a quick recap. All of his... uh, all of his uh, attorneys bailed, and then he hired two new ones. I guess they were done chasing ambulances, and now they're they're with Donald Trump. Uh, what does that mean? Does it mean anything going into uh, the impeachment that he has two new attorneys, or is it already a foregone conclusion that
1: the Senate is not going to convict him? So looking at it from the standpoint of a lawyer, it's not a simple case, and you now have one week to prepare for what is essentially the, the the trial of your legal career. So that's gotta be anxiety producing in and of itself. Independent of your own anxiety is the anxiety that your client is creating for you. And that is what he's going to allow you to argue in his defense. It's been reported that the first legal team quit because he wanted them to argue that his election was fraudulently denied him, that whole story of the big lie. And they said to him, I expect that is not a legal defense really. um, And there's no factual basis for it. And so we can't argue that in court, in the court of the, the Senate. And he said, well, that's what I'm instructing you to argue and they said
0: he's gonna basically tell them that they gotta get out there and say it's all a hoax and this didn't happen and and uh the the count wasn't right he's still gonna push that big lie.
1: That's what it that's what we are gathering from the newspaper that he told them that he wants them to argue as a defense that election fraud big lie. And they said to him there's no facts to support that. One and two, it's technically not a legal defense, so we right. don't feel comfortable doing that. And they parted ways. So it'll be interesting to see what these new lawyers are instructed to do, it, and and whether they, um, if instructed to do the same thing, do it. Do you know these two lawyers? No, I don't. I don't know them. Although, isn't one of them from Pennsylvania? Right. Uh, and Bill Cosby case. And he's the guy that didn't bring charges against Bill Cosby. Mm-hmm. And then we learned that there was some sort of secret immunity deal that he was trying to arrange. And then the new prosecutor, when he left office, convicted Cosby. So that's not a, that's, we don't know all of the facts of that, but that's what the papers are reporting. That's, so that's person one. And I don't know much about uh, person two. They're, they're real lawyers. There's no two ways about <laughs> that, but. Well, yeah, that's, I, I, Hopefully they weren't soda clerks, but, but, but I mean, that
0: aside, that that's not a great way to go into a, a, any kind of trial, but in the Senate bottom line, is it going to matter is, are they going to get enough senators to vote for conviction? It, it just seems like they continue. You, you had today, uh, uh, senators coming out and going, I think Ted Cruz was on them. Hey, you know, don't prosecute him. It's vindictive. Uh, leave him alone. So I, do you think that it, it could ever even, is there a possibility that he would be convicted in the Senate?
1: Well, as we talk today, it truly doesn't seem that way. But if the House managers prevent, present a compelling case, and they make a movie, which is what I think they really need to do, and show this month's long lead up to the riot on January 6th, then maybe, just maybe, um, the constituents of some of these senators put pressure on them. The problem that the prosecutor has is that I think that you're gonna find a lot of these senators who are gonna essentially cop out and say, look, I'm not passing judgment on whether he committed an impeachable offense or didn't commit an impeachable offense, but since he's no longer in office- Why bother? It's not constitutional. And so I'm voting to acquit based on my understanding of the constitution. It's completely uh, wrong reasoning, but I think that's what you're going to see a lot of excuses to acquit because of uh, of a made up procedural argument. If you're going to make a
0: movie of what went down and show it at at the trial, I think it starts September 23rd when I asked him in the briefing room, if he would agree to a, peaceful transfer of power. And back then he, he couldn't do it. I mean, that, that was six weeks of buildup to basically, I mean, we all saw it coming because he told us it was coming.
1: That's so right.
0: my, my question is if you do not convict this man, if you do not send a strong message that this is unacceptable behavior, do we not leave the door open for even more abuse of our system by someone who's, I don't know, smarter and more
1: suave than Donald Trump? Sure, I think to the extent that you allow this behavior to be normalized in any way, then it it sets a precedent for future behavior. Some senators have said, Republicans too, if this is not impeachable, what is? And if the answer is, that we're not gonna vote to convict, then they've essentially said, this is not impeachable. And this notion that it's because he's a former president and that's why I'm voting this way, I think is, is nonsense because of two things. First, I think constitutionally, it makes no sense for the Senate to be divested of jurisdiction because the president has left office, especially when um, he could have been tried while in office, but Senator McConnell didn't bring the Senate back to hold a trial. And then secondly, why it makes no sense is that when people say you can't impeach a former president, well, he was impeached as a president. Right. He was not impeached in his status as a former president. He was impeached as the president. Then the house manager said to Senator McConnell, would you bring the Senate back in so we can hold a trial before this man leaves office? McConnell said, no, I'm not gonna bring them back. So they were forced to try the case after he leaves office. And you can see how that sort of manipulation of the system can't be constitutional because otherwise you have a corrupt president who quits- he could never be brought to justice. That's right. He, he, essentially he quits the day before he's gonna be impeached. And then he has a, a, a corrupt deal with the Senate that he's not going to be tried and then he gets a get out of jail free card. You know, remember, Brian, the reason or well, one of the reasons that Mueller didn't bring charges against Trump in the first impeachment was because ju- Justice Department policy says you can't indict a sitting president. So yeah, if you can't indict about a about sitting that.
0: So that's those are those two memos, right, that came out during Clinton and Nixon. Correct. Guidelines saying basically you cannot indict a sitting president, but that doesn't really mean you can't. That's just policy. Ju- yeah. That's just policy. Right.
1: Right. I mean, that's could. right. You, you could test it for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, a court would have to rule on it, but you could surely you could have tested it. But the point that I guess I was going to make is that you can't charge him while he's in office. And then they say when he's out of office, you can't, Charge him. Um, well, at least impeach then him. Charge him. <laughs> then then, you know, then what 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 corruption of the system is that? So to me, it doesn't make sense. It seems to me that this is a constitutionally permissible um impeachment trial. Whether or not these senators will in the end vote to acquit or not depends on, you know, their conscience. But the evidence seems pretty compelling. That, as you say, from before the election started, through the election, up until the riot, and then in the aftermath of the riot, Trump accepted this behavior. He encouraged it, and then he accepted it. And that, that can't be acceptable. I was there. They, he did it. Him and
0: Rudy Giuliani said, trial by combat. His son, one of those interchangeable two, uh, encouraged them to fight. Uh, Donald Trump said he would march with them. Of course, he didn't because, you know, most of what he says is a lie. The only place he'd ever marches is on the back nine of a golf course. But um, he, he said he would go with them and he encouraged them to fight and that you had to fight to, for what. So everyone I spoke with and I spoke to many dozens of people that were there for that insurrection, they believed they were being encouraged by Donald Trump, including that guy in the Chewbacca uniform with the horns and the face paint. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's much of a debate that he that he that he pushed them to do it, that he encouraged them to do it. What I, I don't know what it would take at that point. Is there is there any way that they would see their way to
1: to bringing the man to justice? Well, so far we've seen no profiles in courage, so I don't expect <laughs> that we're going. We're going to, uh, you know, I, I would think that if you're a, a Republican senator and you're looking to avoid saying that this was not insurrection, because that's what uh, that's really what an, an acquittal vote means, saying that this was not an impeachable offense. The way you do it is either one procedurally, you say that he can't be impeached as a former office holder, or two, you make a sort of strained argument that his speech while incendiary was nonetheless covered by First Amendment free speech protections. And while we may not like incendiary speech, the Supreme Court has sanctioned it and um, too bad. You can't impeach somebody for exercising their First Amendment right if they can separate their speech from the conduct, that's the that's the hard part, which is whether or not. Well, it's
0: much less uh, strenuous of a of a of a pull in the Senate. I mean that after all, let's be honest that in the Senate, the impeachment is not a criminal matter. This is
1: political. Yeah, it's political, but again I'm talking only from the standpoint of if you're a Republican senator and you're looking for uh, a way out then that's those may, way out. those may those may be um, sort of escape hatches because on the merits it's pretty hard to say that what he did was acceptable conduct. It may not be a crime as you say. It may not be a statutory crime, but I don't believe a statutory crime is a is required before someone can be impeached? Well, no kidding. They impeached uh, uh, Bill Clinton
0: for lying about fellatio. That's, I mean, I've talked to members of the GOP who say what Trump did was bad. Don't get me wrong. What he did was bad, but you can't, we can't convict him of that, but they will all defend convicting uh, Bill Clinton for impeachment and say that you know what he did was unforgivable under the constitution i don't know how you can justify both of those in your head
1: well if you're schizophrenic it's pretty easy <laughs>
0: <laughs> are you saying that most gop senators are schizophrenic <laughs>
1: I, i'm saying that most politicians do what they think is in they do what they think is in their best interests
0: yeah i without any doubt so how will this proceed? How do you see this proceeding when, when uh, and it's coming up next, what, Monday or
1: Tuesday, I think? Yeah, the, the 9th of February. Yeah,
0: the 9th of February. So uh, yeah, next Tuesday. So what do you, how do you think this will go down and how long do you think it will last?
1: Well, the way it'll go down probably is the House managers will argue first jurisdiction, that is the, the Senate has the authority to have this trial, and there may be a procedural vote on whether they can have this trial. And I expect that the vote will be something again along the lines of uh, 55-45 to allow the trial to proceed on the merits. That would be my guess or, or hope. Then they would present on the merits. And on the merits, they have to lay out a case, chronologically, what is it that Trump did from the beginning through the end of the insurrection and why was that um a violation of his oath to faithfully defend the constitution and to take care uh that the laws are faithfully executed and that it wasn't a riot incitement and they'll do that i would think assuming they get to call witnesses and i presume they'll get to call witnesses um yeah that would be different than last time they uh, would be different than last time through the voices of several categories of, um, of witnesses. And I would think that you have different types of people who would be good witnesses. You'd have the police officers who will talk about the rage that the rioters came and that they were telling the police that they were there because the vote was stolen and Trump has told them to to be there. I think you'll have people who perhaps have been arrested and are pending charges who may um, offer testimony about how this whole riot um, was organized ahead of time and how they were just waiting for the president to give them the signal to go and and they went. You'll have state officials potentially who will talk about the pressure campaign that um, Trump leveled um, against them. And then you may have people who can testify to their pleading with Trump to bring in reinforcements and his apparent delight in what was going on and therefore delay in reaching it. And then I think I would close with a movie that shows the events of, of of that timeline that we've just talked about. I, I, you know, if I were a house manager, I would be. Um, have you spoken speak- to any of them? Uh, I have spoken to um, Eric Swarwell, but not about not about how the case is going to be prepared, but that they're going to make a full fledged effort to convince sixty seven senators to to convict. They are not going through the motions here. They are they are determined to win and they haven't accepted, you know, the process pro. um, What's the word? Where you predict the predictors? Yeah, Um, there's a word. Prognosticators. Prognosticators. I knew there was a word in English. The pigskin prognosticators who predict that there will be no conviction. Correct. They they are not listening to them. They are saying uh, that the evidence is is overwhelming and they are going to present a case in order to to win it. They're not targeting 17 Republican senators. They're targeting 67 or more. um, votes. United States senators. So talked to Jamie Raskin. He's your congressman. I I have not. I have not spoken to Jamie. and I live in the District of Columbia, and we have no voting oh, representation.
0: Right. I'm sorry. I thought you were. I forgive me. I thought you were in uh,
1: Southern uh, Montgomery County. I forgot. No, I'm in um, uh, Northwest in DC, DC yeah. th- the last colony. <laughs> Taxation without representation. Oh, that,
0: that's called Southern Montgomery County. We yeah, <laughs>
1: that's right. That's called hopefully state, statehood. Statehood in the near future, soon, right? Yeah, exactly. So. After so that's that. how I think. That's how I think, Brian. That's how I think the the house managers lay out their case. What the defense looks like just remains to be seen. Whether they're going to be stuck arguing election fraud, and therefore, essentially, the the, the election fraud argument says, in in effect, that I was I Trump was justified in doing what I did, I did because the election was fraudulently taken from me. So in some sense, it's a bit of an admission that that um, he did do this, but he did it with a, with a good reason. Now, I would not want to make that case in the well of the Senate because that argument has been litigated over 20 times in courts all around the country, and not one judge has found any evidence to support it. So for them to come in with a straight face and argue that what the president did was justified because the election was stolen from him, I think legal ethics essentially prevent you from doing that because you're putting on a defense that has no factual uh, basis in it. And I don't think as a lawyer, you can safely within within the canons of ethics argue that. So, and I think that may have been part of the reasons why the original lawyers quit because they would have to make an argument that is without factual merit, and, you, and you're not supposed to do that as a lawyer. Right. I mean, there, so, are, there are some things even a lawyer can't do.
0: <laughs> well, look, I gave up guessing a long time ago, but it seems to me that if they're gonna try to make the case, um, it would take more than a day. How long do you think it would be, the, the trial will last?
1: Well, I would think, again, if there are witnesses, right. that the, 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 the House's case could take a week, could take five full full trial days. And then wow. I don't know. I don't know what the defense looks like, so I don't know how many days they don't know what it looks like. They in they they, <laughs> they would they would put. In, how long did the first trial take? A couple of weeks. So yeah, and there was no witnesses. So if you really were going to have a trial with witnesses, where you lay out the whole timeline here, that's not a short trial. No, it's not. That, and and of course the, is- they they're under they're under sort of political pressure. I would expect to you know wrap this up so that biden can get on with his administration but um that's just a guess
0: we have a lot more to talk about we're going to take a short break and when we come back let's talk a little bit about what else the president may be facing (laughs) as the ex-president former president number four you know he won't even admit that he's a former president we get emails from him and he just says 45th president Donald Trump won't even admit that he's a former president to this day. Still, well, that's, because the,
1: ele- that's because the election was stolen from him. Yeah, yeah. And in part two of this conversation, I hope we're going to stop the steal, Brian.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back after we steal a few minutes for our sponsors. Well, time to pay the bills, folks. And this one I, I don't mind doing. If, <laughs> actually, I've actually used this. If this 2020 holiday season feels like it's been a long time, come and make it worth the wait with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself, all shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday feast. Okay, or maybe not, maybe just a delicious festival. Uh, their deluxe grillers assortment package includes a variety of entrees, sides, and desserts. Right now, you can get this mouth-watering package I've never actually seen a mouth of water. Well, well, anyway, plus four free burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. And we all need a good meat thermometer and exclusive price only available to uh, our listeners. So go to omahasteaks.com and enter the code question into the search bar. Get a jump on gift shopping with Omaha Steaks. Omaha Steaks isn't just a steak, it's actually a a lot of them. It's a fantastic gift and a safe way to share the joy of the season with Omaha Steaks, guaranteed quality and safety with every order. (laughs) Order the Deluxe Grillers Assortment Package today and you'll receive four free Omaha Steak Burgers and a free digital meat thermometer. That's just a great straight line I won't use. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. and If you need to spell it, as Q-U-E-S-T-I-O-N in the search bar, and you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak, so uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hi, we're back. It's Just Asked the Question. I am your host, Brian Carman With us is, is former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin, also seen on CNN, also has his own podcast. I urge you to tune in and listen to it, especially since it's about books. It's actually about something literary. What a concept. I love it. So, but as we go on, Michael, let's talk a little bit about what else besides impeachment, what else is this president, former president facing legally? Could he, there were 10 cases of obstruction of justice that were outlined in the Mueller report. Could he face charges for those?
1: Yeah. If there was a federal prosecutor, who was interested in following up on the Mueller report. And remember, what was the language of the Mueller report? Mueller said, if I could say he didn't do this, I would have said so, but I can't say he didn't do this. However, Justice Department policy does not allow me to indict him, and so I didn't. And I will leave that to, you know, somebody else to do at a future date. So Mueller has essentially said the president, at the time and former president now, obstructed his investigation and that in his mind, those cases are prosecutable. And so the question is gonna be, will the Department of Justice prosecute those cases? So he faces the possibility of obstruction of justice case prosecution. He also faces the criminal possibility of charging being charged with inciting a rebellion or insurrection. We talked about he's we being face criminal charges for that. Sure, sure. Now there's a First Amendment um overlay to that stuff, but right the language of that statute says that if you incite a riot, you can be charged with inciting a riot. And the Supreme Court says inciting a riot is not a simple charge to make because you have to really show a close connection between your words and the acts. And that's a good thing because we know that the incitement to riot and seditious conspiracy laws have been used maliciously over yeah. the years. They, they prosecuted Eugene Debs, the socialist in World War I for seditious conspiracy for speaking out against the draft. They prosecuted the Chicago 7 war activists um, for sedition. They prosecuted the Puerto Rican nationalists for that. And so no one who considers himself progressive should be looking for an expansive reading of the incitement or seditious conspiracy statutes because they're gonna be used against them, because they always been used against them. So one has to be very careful what you wish for, simply because your enemy, if you will, is the target this time. You have to, I think, use Alan Dershowitz's uh, test, which is, if the shoe were on the other foot, what's your position there? And so my position on this thing is I'd like a very narrow reading of these statutes. I don't like these statutes. I think they've always been used for bad purpose. They're used against N.C. and um ACP uh, yes, leaders. I can't and- think
0: of one decent use of, of, of this in, in the past. And so I, I agree with that, but
1: that but aside,
0: so, but, what do you, how do you proceed against Donald Trump? Like you so, said in the last block, if you can't, prosecuting him while he is in office and they don't want you to prosecute him when he's out of office what's left
1: then he gets to get out of jail free card that from and that's the, horrendous from, isn't the, it? from the from the feds remember we're only talking yeah, about at the moment day. the federal pro- now there's another crime that 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 is um in theory applicable to the charges that he's being impeached for and that is a charge of interfering with a state's right to have a fair election and, and arguably when he called the Secretary of state of Georgia and asked him to get him 11,000 plus votes so that he could win the election that was that was a a, a violation of that federal statute and most likely uh, Georgia state law so from the insurrection there's the possibility of incitement and there's the possibility of interference with a with an election from Mueller, there's the possibility of obstruction of justice. Then there are state charges um, for the same types of behavior um, with respect to the interference with the election. Then, and that's sort of his time in office crimes. And <laughs> then there's the time. <laughs> alleged investigation by um, the Southern District of New York and, the Manhattan district attorney's office for crimes related to Trump's businesses. And so that's that's another type of case that is being said to be under investigation. And then there are the civil cases, the, the defamation cases where he called people names after they accused him of sexual misconduct. Right. And those defamation cases are still making their way forward so he's got a lot of legal um things to deal with Um, and i think one of the reasons that he raised all that money alleging election fraud is that he's going to use it he's going to use it for 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 these cases yeah yeah so he's looking at he's got a lot going
0: ahead but what does it mean for us the other way to look ahead is for the country as a whole if we're not going to prosecute our office holders for this type of behavior, why prosecute them for anything at all? Ever? Why prosecute anybody for any
1: anything yeah. at all? I mean, for that matter. I, I think that's right, Brian. I think that you can't you you can't normalize this behavior. You can't just say, well. He's no longer in office. Therefore, what's the point? I saw a funny thing on Twitter. Now you know, for the first time in my life, I'm at Michael Zeldin on Twitter. I have you know (laughs) less than two thousand followers, but you know I'm 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 trying to build up my at Michael Zeldin um, Twitter thing. So it's it's the first time in my life I've ever really looked at Twitter. It's it's quite an interesting thing. Oh yeah. Anyway, someone someone wrote snarkily about Rand Paul that he doesn't understand why he brought a prosecution or you know a lawsuit against his neighbor for encroachment on his property after his after his neighbor had already left his property. Right. And I thought that, that it's a perfect it's a perfect analogy. He brought charges because something offended him, and he thought they should be redressed. The fact that the guy left his property is of no moment. So the fact that Trump left the office of the presidency doesn't make his conduct while in office acceptable. And you can't say simply because he left the property, or in this case, he he, he lost an election and therefore is no longer president, is is reason enough for him to Go unpunished. I mean, it's a bank robber who who says, "All right, you know what? Here's the money back." Right. What's the point? That's I look. I I said often. I I worked
0: for America's Most Wanted for years. I interviewed criminals all the time who who embraced this very philosophy. It's like, look, it happened so long ago. Why does it matter now? Let let bygones
1: be bygones let's can't we all just get along give right. it a chance that's i right. just tell little poly classes parents that that
0: yeah that that's well that,
1: that's acceptable
0: and and there were serial killers who said that to me so
1: yeah. i i mean it,
0: it it's frustrating to to no end but is there a practical solution to the problem because i really do between you and me donald trump I don't think he's ever going to run for office again. I think he's, it's a con, it's a grift. Like you said, I think he was just trying to raise money because he doesn't have a business to run now. He can't be in real estate anymore. He's, he's, he's a pariah internationally. He's got to make money somehow. He's got 20 or 30 million who he can build for 20 bucks a month forever, who are strong, stone cold, you know, supporters of his, that's his revenue stream. And he'll use it for a defense, he'll use it for business, he'll use it any way he wants. I'm not worried about him trashing our system anymore, but I am worried about what this says for Josh Hawley's or the Mike Pompeo's or these other people who will follow in his footsteps and perhaps are a little bit smarter and a little bit more suave at doing what they're doing. How do you set... I don't know if it's possible, but how do you, you know, <laughs> to use his term, how do you build a wall, but how do you give them a, 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 a limit
1: by which they cannot pass? I think what we're seeing is step one of that, which is an impeachment. I think that that um, is the appropriate step to, to, to take. If you believe that this conduct is not acceptable, then that's the first step. And then you have to take a hard look at whether or not criminal laws were violated, and if they were, bring prosecutions. It can't be that one's status as a politician or a former politician somehow gives them a privilege that you and I as ordinary citizens don't have. And I think that if you set the precedent that status buys you some benefit of the doubt, then the system which is broken will be revealed to be um, even more broken.
0: Yeah, I, I. what's your feeling on that? Do you think that we're broken or that you that we can, that we'll heal?
1: Well, I think the criminal justice system is flat out broken. I mean, all you need to do is um, look at the manner in which, um, people who were arrested in Black Lives Matter um, were compared to the way the people in the Trump riot were, or the manner in which people who um, engage in crime um, were given bail compared to other people who weren't given bail. I mean, the system is broken, and it needs. uh, There's no faith left in it. I got
0: news for you. Well, very
1: little. There, there there's no reason to have faith in the system. It's been broken a very long time. And one of the things that Merrick Garland, as the new attorney general, will have to do is figure out how to deal with that. But you know, that said, a lot of the broken parts of this criminal justice system are broken at the state level, which is yeah, some of the state local Mer- level. Yeah. It's just like we saw um, President Biden saying that he's going to stop doing business with private prisons in the federal system. Which is a Just great fine. idea. But, it's, but I think private prison counts for maybe like five to 7% of the federal prison population. Right. Whereas it's a much higher percentage of the state and local And level. local
0: level. And it is extremely biased in how they handle uh, situations. Those local right. private prisons are just, uh, I, I'm sorry, I can't put it any other way. Those are slave factories. That's well, all they are.
1: So the question that we're discussing is whether or not the criminal justice system is broken. I think we can sense that it is broken. Whether or not on a more broad-based question, can we find unity in our country? I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think so. But I, And I don't know that we really should be seeking unity. Part of me says, I I was listening tonight to the question of the COVID relief package. And the Democrats have this ambitious $1.9 billion program and the Republicans are coming forward with some $600 million um, alternative proposal. And so they're discussing. And most of me says, I hope they tell the Republicans, you know what, no thank you and they, they go through some sort of reconciliation process and pass it on their own. And I think that they should be doing that all along because I think it's it's a false choice of unity um, versus no unity because there is no such thing as unity. The way- How, how can you unify like, with criminals?
0: I think there well, has
1: to be accountability. You account, well, right? Well, yeah, but, but I'm talking, as a policy matter, the, right? The, the, what do you, th- what would you say was the most sort of progressive Congress in the history of our nation?
0: I, I don't know. I think you'd have to go back to FDR, the first hundred days of the Franklin Delano
1: Roosevelt administration. That would be, that would be good, maybe. I would say, um, and there's no right answer. I would say, the most progressive Congress in the history Lincoln. of the United States was when, no, not Lyndon Johnson, oh, that was progressive too, um, was when the Southern states seceded from the union and the remaining Senate, which was made up of um, non-seceding states, was able to actually pass progressive legislation because they didn't have this minority opposition to their efforts to pass progressive legislation. When they all came back, after reconstruction, then they went back to this um, terror of the minority of um, the desires of the of the majority. I mean, if you look at polling now, a majority of the people like. Well, um, I blame
0: Nixon for that because there was. I mean, I, I mentioned FDR, but and uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson; those two got southern states to buy into some of the progressive policies. It was when Nixon adopted a southern strategy for re-election that we engendered and emboldened and, and, and encouraged the, the the nascent racism or the simmering racism that had been there for a hundred years. I I, yes. I think a lot of this. I think a lot of the. And this is just me, and I could be wrong, but I think Nixon and Reagan set the table, and Donald Trump is just a symptom of those two uh moves from nixon and reagan from reagan uh destroying you know uh making the rich richer and the poor poor with his tax uh policies and with trickle down economics and richard nixon by you know uh embracing the southern racism
1: lyndon johnson said upon the signing of the civil rights acts the voting rights acts that um he has just cast a vote that will cause the South never to vote Democrat again, and more or less, uh, what he predicted has come true. Nixon, yes. Nixon did um, act on that, but Lyndon Johnson knew that the signing of those laws was uh, going to be bad for for the Democratic Party. Not that the not that those Dixiecrat Democrats. Who um, were in the Senate then were any better than the Republicans who replaced them? But that's what that's what Johnson predicted, and he and and he was right. And those those Southern states continue to obstruct. I think that which the majority of the American people want. They want Medicare for all, and they want um, the progressive policies that that. Bernie Sanders largely um, promoted minimum wage increase, health care for all, all of those sort of things they, they want, but they can't get them through the Congress because there's obstructionist Republicans uh, who represent a pittance of um, the population of the country. I was reading somewhere, uh, one of the States uh, that is, um, one of the senators from one of the states that's opposing some of this progressive legislation, represents less people than the city of Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right.
0: How do you like the idea that Mitch McConnell, who represents maybe 3 million people in the state of Kentucky, is the guy who for the last God knows how many years was the Senate majority leader in running the Republican Party?
1: Yeah, or really? the senators from... North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, Wyoming collectively have less people than the state of California. So they have eight votes compared to California's two votes, notwithstanding the population um, differential. So the the state of
0: Kentucky has fewer people than you know uh, uh, Philadelphia.
1: So So the system is broken. The system is broken, Brian. And my my politics sort of tell me, you know what? Don't give into it. If you have the majority and you can pass things by reconciliation, do it, pass it. And, you know, because these guys aren't going to cooperate with you. All you have to do is look at what happened to Obama, who naively thought that these guys going to cooperate with him, that he he was a bridge builder. He got trampled and 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 Biden was there to watch it. And if Biden, you know, makes the same Hopefully mistake. He learned from it. Well, hopefully he learned from it. He makes the same mistake um, to naively believe that these guys are going to, you know, cooperate with him, you know, under this false claim of unity. Well, you know, shame on him.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And on that wonderful thought, (laughs) we'll take a short break and we'll be right back. (music) Omaha Steaks makes the perfect gift for family and friends or to treat yourself all shipped directly to your door. They offer everything you need to bring families together for a delicious holiday nice. feast. Okay. When you go to omahasteaks.com and type question in the search bar, that's omahasteaks.com and type question. And if you need to spell it as Q U E S T I O N in the search bar and you'll shop for the best gourmet gifts of the season. I, I like a good raw steak. So uh, enjoy it. It is a lot of fun. Hey, just ask the question podcast listeners. If you've got a second, head on over to Twitter and follow our official page, JATQ Podcast, for all the updates your little heart could desire. That's JATQ Podcast. Again, that's at JATQ Podcast. Hi, we're back. It's just asked the question. I am your host, Brian Caraman. With us today is former federal prosecutor Michael Zeldin. We were just having a wonderful chat about the future of this country. So, uh, Michael, you know, this is the third, our third block, and we got to talk about something other than politics. So to end, usually with us, it's rock and roll. So I'm going to hit you up today. I know you're a Bob Dylan fan. What do you think is the, not the best song he ever wrote. What do you think is the worst song he ever wrote?
1: Oh, my God. Um, So he had that period of, of, of time where he had these (laughs) these these sort of religious oh yeah albums saved and um slow train coming although the song slow train coming i think is a great song right but it's in that period um that i think he has some of his least memorable songs that said i also don't like his most recent album it's gotten critical acclaim but I just don't, I just don't like it.
0: Well, I'm going to vote for two. It's either got to be, it must be Santa or wiggle wiggle.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, you know, it's hard to argue. It's hard to argue with that, but you know what I was going to thought, I thought you were going to ask me about music was I watched um, parts of the inauguration and mostly I, I watched it to listen to the people sing. I, I saw I watched the concert and then I watched the swearing in ceremony. And I thought that the singers at the inauguration and at the inaugural ball or whatever it was concert for, and there was the concert for the Bangladesh? No, uh, for the, the U.S. Uh, the, the victims of, of COVID. Yes. Um, there were some unbelievable performances. I thought Lady Gaga just,
0: was great. Yeah. Just
1: killed it and um and uh j-lo's version of uh, was she saying this land is your land uh whatever she's saying i thought yeah. she killed it and i think it, it i think it was at the um concert for the victims of the pandemic a singer whose name i'm forgetting um sang the uh, leonard cohen song hallelujah Oh, yes. And, and um, boy, what a powerful performance that was. Um, so, I, I, you know, the speeches and all that stuff, you know, fine. But the, the, music, <laughs> the speeches, you know, yeah, all that moving stuff, out of hell with that. <laughs> right, right. Whoa, oh, yes. Melanda, better. Yolanda Adams, that's the one yes. who sang um, Hallelujah at the National COVID um, Memorial Service. My goodness. She can sing.
0: Yeah, that was that was some really good stuff. But (laughs) if you could pick someone to sing the national anthem, who would you like to hear sing it? And don't say
1: Roseanne. (laughs) (laughs) God, I you know any of these any of these. I was watching them. I was watching the um, internet, and there was something on it which was like the the greatest inaugural songs sung and um Marilyn Monroe singing happy birthday to the president yeah yeah that was that was up there and um and Barbara Streisand's uh, singing at the Clinton um, yes but though it's not possible um for this to happen Aretha Franklin Franklin sang at three different inaugurations and God was she good oh
0: she's great everywhere if she ever shows up yeah. I heard her sing "Respect" live in Louisville uh, back in the '70s, and to this day, I I, I got to tell you it's, <laughs> that was one of the ones where I was I, I was like tingling. <laughs> yeah.
1: So so who, I haven't answered your question because I don't know the answer to your question because um, I haven't announced my candidacy yet. So I haven't really <laughs> wanted to get I haven't wanted to get uh, ahead of myself. But do, you, do you have Do you have somebody that you would um, love to hear sing the national anthem? Yeah. That's a,
0: you know, I, I thought about that a few times. I I really would have liked to have seen James Brown do it.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah. yeah, Or Little Richard. Or Little Richard. I, either one of them would have been perfect for the, to sing. The, and this land is your land. Woody Guthrie's, uh, which I actually, I think is a much better song than the national anthem. I would, there are so many people, um, the sentiment expressed in it, I think would be, although he's not American, I would have loved to have heard John Lennon sing it.
1: Yeah. You know, um, Woody Guthrie wrote um, This Land is Your Land sort of in response to America the Beautiful. Yeah. And um, what he said about America the Beautiful, if I remember correctly, was that America the Beautiful was just about the geography. And he wanted to write a song about about about, people. About the people. And you could go online and, and look at it. The early language of the, the song, the early, early lyrics of the song are much more political than um, the current one. The, the current right, right. version, maybe the most political part of it where he says on the front of the sign, it said, um, essentially keep out. And on the back of the sign, it said nothing. He said the back of the sign is, you know, is for me and you and any yeah. and he, and he going. So, I mean, there are political statements in the song as, it, as it's presently sung. You know, but, and that
0: was, that was a, you know, that was kind of a, a remember the song by the five man electric band, Signs, Signs. They mm-hmm. cited that, I think at one point in time, as an inspiration for their song about signs.
1: So, you know, at the Obama um, festival at the Lincoln Memorial, um, they, they had um, Bruce Springsteen um, um, come out with Pete Seeger and his kids. Oh, and yeah. And they sang... They sang um, "This Land Is Your Land," and that was that was you know unbelievable. That's right up, that's in his wheelhouse, maybe. Yeah, that it. that and you know and getting and getting Pete Seeger to, to show up. He passes away just a few years later. That I mean, that's something. If you haven't seen, your his listening board, audience yeah. hasn't seen, go Google um, Pete Seeger at the at the Obama. I think was the first it was, inaugural. Yeah. Yeah. um singing 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 that you know there, there there's phil oaks has a song called the power and the glory which 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 is also a great song and in um keeping with this this land is is your land but unfortunately of course he took his own life long long ago but that's a song i'd like to hear sung more for you know so yeah you're what singer would i like to sing i'd like to see that phil oaks song be sung more frequently because it's a great song
0: that is a great song.
1: Well, listen, Michael, it's a pleasure as always. Um, uh, tune into your uh, podcast and it's called. That said with Michael that, Zeldin and, that. and I'm on Twitter now at Michael Zeldin. So you can um, follow me there. I'm not as um, smart as Brian, but I'm going to try <laughs> my very best. I'm just an old fart. <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> thanks a lot for being with us. And the name of the show is just ask the question. Thanks once again, everyone. We'll catch you next time.